0: So I thank you, Lord, that my teaching and speaking will not be with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Think through my mind, speak through my heart and my mouth, what you would have us to hear today in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And the saints said, amen. You're saints, Amen. You're saints of God, amen, and we're going to continue on challenges of discipleship today, walking in God's purpose, plan, and destiny. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The I-A-N after Christ, Christian, Christ, I-A-N, it means like. And saying we're Christian, we're literally saying we are Christ-like, the term Christian was first used in mockery to make fun of those who walked in the way. They would, they would laugh. They said, ah, oh, there goes those Christians. They were making fun of the faith. At that time, it was called the way, those who walked in the way, short for the way of life, Amen. Earlier believers were those who walked in the way of the master. A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus and an imitator of Jesus. As disciples, we do our best to do what Jesus did. Jesus said, follow me. In fact, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Your cross, my cross, is personal to each of us. Our crosses are the things that we have to die to. The sacrifices we're called to make, the things we give up to follow Jesus when we respond to the call He has for each of our lives. So we want to walk in destiny. To discover our destiny, number one, we must believe that God has a plan and a destiny for our life. Repeat after me I believe, I believe. God has a plan for me, plan. I am not a mistake. I Number two, we must believe that what's inside us and not what's around us controls our lives. Situations and circumstances do not control your life. Whatever you allow to get on the inside controls you. We take on the image and the identity of that which we worship. You've heard it said that you are what you eat. That's in the natural, but the same is true in the spiritual. We are what we eat. We need to be eating of the bread of heaven, the word of God. Amen? Amen. We become like Jesus when we eat, when we partake in the bread of life. We thank you, God. Even the word of God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? He says, taste and see. Repeat after me. I believe that greater is he within me than he who is in the world. See, we must believe that what's inside us and not what's around us controls our life. Number three, we must believe if we give our best, we will have the best. I will give my best. Come on, repeat after me. I will give my best. And I expect to receive the best because God is a rewarder and God is rewarding me because I'm giving my best. Thank you, Jesus. You got to get rid of the negative. You got to get rid of negative confessions like, no matter how hard I try, nothing seems to work. Or, if it's not one thing, it's another. Or, I tried everything and nothing seems to work out for me. You got to get rid of that. Those are bad confessions. You're actually speaking curses over your life and your tongue is the most powerful tongue that matters when it comes out of your mouth it has more power than anything anyone else could say to you i shared before that the worst thing to say is i'm my own worst critic don't ever say that that's a curse don't be your own worst critic you're judging yourself you're as the word of god says do not judge that means you don't judge you you don't have the authority to judge you You are what God created you to be. Number four, we must order our lives in a balanced way and keep our priorities in line with God's word. Ordering our lives in a balanced way determines, number one, what you spend your money on. You ever hear that? Show me your checkbook. I'll show you what your priorities are. (laughs) Amen. Number two, what you spend your time on. See how that works? Time and money, two of the most valuable assets we have. What you spend your time on, what you spend your money on, that shows you how you're ordering your life. That shows you what your priorities are. Number three, who you associate with. Number four, who you get advice from. Number five, what voices are you listening to? As believers, we're supposed to be listening to the voice of the shepherd. We can't Order our lives in a balanced way if our priorities are all scattered, if our time and our money is going into the other things more than they're going into the Lord and the things of God, amen? We have to be focused in the things of God. And if you're around people that are pulling you away, that your priorities are out of order. You know, sometimes, and, I, and, and I'm not talking about anybody, I'm not saying any names, but I know sometimes the people, they may have uh, visitors, and they say, "Uh, oh, I'm not coming to church today because I have visitors. Bring your visitors to church. Don't let them change your priorities. Church is what you're a disciple, and you're supposed to be discipling people. Bring them to church. Amen? If they're visiting you, they should, you know, most of the time they respect what you do unless they just don't believe at all. That's a whole other thing. We won't even touch that. So look at your daily and weekly calendar for where you're spending most of your time. You know, most people think we're crazy. We go to church more than once a week. Oh, man, you one of those Jesus freaks, huh? <laughs> Sunday's enough. How do you do it? You go on Friday, you go on Wednesday, and you go Sunday, and then you have special events, and you tithe, too. Your priorities, they telling you your priorities are wrong. They're telling you that you're putting your time and your money into the wrong things. Amen? Don't receive that. Where you invest most of your time and most of your money is a reflection of your greatest priorities. If we spend more time and money being entertained and distracted than we do on advancing the desires of our heart, then our priorities are out of order. See, because God gives you the desires of your heart. Amen. And the desires of your heart are usually according to his purpose and his plan for your life. And that's what we're talking about today. As in any teaching, the question is how do we find God's purpose, destiny, and plan for our life? How do we determine what's on the inside controlling us? How do we make sure that we're always giving our best? And how do we order our lives in a balanced way and keep our priorities in line with God's word? See, if I was just, if I was preaching instead of teaching, I could just say all of those things and just put some hoop on it, and then, you know, we all get excited, and uh, we would never learn anything. And we must find God's purpose, find his destiny, and his plan for our lives, and it's going to be all right. Can I get an amen? But that's not going to work for us in this church, amen? That's not going to work. We're going to teach, and I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying there's a difference between preaching and teaching, amen? So we want to be taught. The answers to all of these questions can only be found in the word of God. 2 Peter 1:2. grace and peace are multiplied to you, may be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Or Jesus our Lord, it says. Uh, The the point of this passage is that we need knowledge. We need knowledge. We all want peace. We all want grace. But it's not going to come except by the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You got to have a knowledge of God. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, you might want to write it down. I don't have it up here. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When God says knowledge, he's not talking about, you heard me say this before, he's not talking about the Lakers stats. He's not talking about the Clippers stats. He's not talking about any kind of athletic sports. That He's not talking about politics. When he's talking about knowledge, he's talking about knowledge of who he is. He got upset with the children of Israel because they didn't know him. They didn't understand his ways. They didn't know his character. They didn't know anything about him. They didn't really understand. And for that reason, they were left to wander for 40 years because they didn't know him. Amen? We need a knowledge of God. And healthy things grow, amen? So he said grace and peace are multiplied. That's growth. Grace is favor. Peace is wholeness. Nothing broken, nothing missing. The way you understand favor is when you get something for no reason. When somebody just blesses you for no reason at all. When you go into somewhere where they're not hiring, but they hire you. When you work somewhere and they don't promote, they say they tell you in the beginning, we're not doing any promotions, we're not doing any raises, but one day the boss calls you in the office and you get a promotion and a raise anyway. That's favor, amen? We have favor with God and with man, amen? We have favor, and we want it to be multiplied. It'll be multiplied in the knowledge of God and Jesus. But see, if we're thinking God is out to punish us, if we think God is out to look for something wrong in us so he doesn't have to bless us, then we got it all twisted. We're worshiping the wrong God. You don't have a knowledge of God if you think God is punishing you for your past. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes when I get sick, the first thing I think about is, oh, Lord, here it comes. He's getting me for everything I did. That's the first thing the devil will say to you when you get sick, that you're being punished for your past. The devil's a lie. The devil is a lie. Sickness does not come from God. Sickness is a perversion of health. God didn't create sickness. God created health and well-being. Sickness is a perversion. Perversion comes from the devil. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to get stuck on that verse cuz we got a lot to go through. Matthew 22:29, Jesus replied, "You are in error." Say error. Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. If you don't know the scriptures, you don't know the power of God. If you don't know the scriptures, you can't walk in the power of God. If you don't know the scriptures, you can't exercise the authority that you have as a believer because as a believer you have authority. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. You can call those things that be not as though they are, but you got to know that you know that you know the Scriptures and the power of God. Amen? In order to know God's destiny, plan, and purpose for our lives, there's two things that are essential for us to know. One, the Scriptures. You have to rightly divide the Word. Don't let somebody tell you you're going to be cursed That if you don't do this or if you don't do that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus took all the curses on him. That's just one example of needing to know the scriptures. Number two, the power of God. If you don't know that God is a God that can heal, if you don't know that a God, God, our God is a God that can make a way out of no way, you don't know the power of God. If you're trying to do God's work for him instead of getting out of his way and letting him do it, you don't know the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 26 Acts 26 verse 14 Paul is talking and let me give you a little context. He's uh he's been in he's been in prison. He's been taken in by King Agrippa. And he was explaining how he got converted. For those who don't know, the apostle Paul used to be called Saul. He was the one that went and persecuted the Christians. He went from town to town. He had papers, he had authorities, as a priest he had authority to go find Christians, imprison them, torture them, and kill them, that's what he was doing that was his job, and one day he was on the road to Damascus and something happened, and this is what he's sharing right now, this is the story that he's sharing, I put this here for a reason but let's read real quick, Acts 26, 14, and when we all had fallen to the ground I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language Saul, Saul why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. This is a powerful passage. There's a lot in here. First of all, they all, he was with a company of other men. They were going to get some Christians. They were going to persecute, imprison, and kill Christians. And a light, a bright light appeared. And it knocked them all to the ground. See, we had all fallen to the ground. And then he heard a voice. Nobody else heard the voice. Paul heard the voice. At that time, he was called Saul. And it was Jesus. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice that Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? See, when you're persecuting, when you're speaking evil against the body of Christ, you're speaking evil against the Lord. Amen? Amen. He said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. I have this here for a reason. A goad is a stick that they use to move the cattle. It's a stick. Today they have a cattle prod. It's electric. And cattle, you know, they're like the essence of flesh. You know, they're a big, heavy animal, and if they don't want to go somewhere, you can't get them to go. You can't get that flesh to move. Pounds and pounds of beef. It decides it doesn't want to go where you want it to go, you can't get it to go. So they gave a they use a stick, to poke it. And then it says, Okay, I guess he wants me to go this way. <laughs> Amen. Funny that Jesus says to Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. In other words, I got something I want you to do, and you're going against my will. And he said, it's time. is over now. I had to knock you down on the ground, and I'm going to pick you back up, and you're going to do what I want you to do. You think what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing, but I got something else I want you to do. So he said, rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. That's a lot of you out here. God wants you to rise to your feet and be a witness of the things you have seen in your own life. The things that he has done for you in your life. The miracles and the situations that he has brought you through. He wants you to be a witness. He wants you to be a minister. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit. You don't need a title. You don't need any kind of official uh, recognition. All you got to do is rise on your feet. And go and minister and witness of the things you have seen. And then God's going to show you some more things. Once he sees that he can trust you to, be, to glorify him and the things he's already done for you, he's going to give you some more things. He's going to give you victory after victory. But he's got to find you faithful and sharing his glory with other people. Amen? That's what it's all about. You don't keep it for yourself and you don't act like you made it on your own. Give God the glory for everything he's done in your life. Amen? He's the one that's brought you through. Proverbs 19:21 There are many plans in a man's heart nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. This means and we said this before. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. He's got a plan. We're going about doing our own thing, but God has a plan. Amen. As we shared last week, if you want to make them laugh, tell them your plans. The Bible's full of people that had their own plans. Some of them willingly allowed God to alter their plans. Some of them willfully tried to resist God's input. Some of them, like uh, like Jonah, tried to flee as far away from what God wanted him to do as possible. That's me sometimes. Probably like some of you. If you think I... uh, If you think I worked on being a pastor, (laughs) you're mistaken. You're mistaken. i resisted it for years. For years. It's not the first time the opportunity came. But there just comes a point in time and you get tired of pursuing your own will and you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. I'm talking to somebody right now. See, God is like a deep-sea fisherman. Brother Mark, you probably understand what I mean with this. You know, a sport fish, you don't catch them the way you catch other fish. They're strong. They're powerful. And you got that big, real, I don't even know all the technical terms, but I know that it's attached to the side of the boat. And then when something catches it, then you can lock it. Boom. That's how God catches us. Because we're strong will. He locks it. He pulls it in. We fight against it. We fight against it. We fight against it. And then you let it go. Lock it again. And they keep repeating that process till that fish is worn out. Then they bring it in. Once it's tired, once that barracuda, once that shark is tired of being yanked after four or five, six, seven, eight times of being yanked like that. They just give in, and then they can be pulled in. That's how God does with us. Once we get tired of fighting against his will, yanking against that tug, he pulls us in. We say, Lord, I'm just tired. I'm tired of being tired. What do you want? What did you want from me? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? See, there's a different type of patience required to catch a big game fish. God is patient. He's long-suffering. That's what he does with us. He's wanting us to surrender to his will. Exodus 26.30. This is speaking of the plan. We said this many times. Exodus 26.30 says, So you are to set up the tabernacle according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. This is God talking to Moses before he built the tabernacle. He's telling Moses to set it up according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. See, when, when Moses was visiting God, God showed him the heavenly pattern of the tabernacle. This phrase is repeated four different places. You can write it down if you want. You can read it for yourself. Exodus 25, 9. Exodus 25, 40. This one, 26, 30. And Exodus 27, 28. And then Paul refers to it in Hebrews 8:5. It's very important that things are done according to the heavenly pattern. That's what this scripture is referring to. 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19 tells us, Know ye not that you are a temple. We are a temple. Amen? God has a heavenly pattern for our temple. He has a heavenly pattern for each one of us. He has something he wants each one of us to do. Amen? And he's telling us today, To do things according to the pattern that I have set before you. And we don't know that pattern unless we go to him and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What should I be doing? Why does it seem like uh, these things aren't working out for me? Is it because I'm not doing what you want me to do and I'm trying to do things my own way? I went for you. I don't know if you guys know it because I don't like to. To, uh, to glorify, but I was in the music industry 20 years. I was in the top part of the music industry. I can mention names and you'll be like, wow, you did! oh, you worked with, oh my goodness. Doesn't matter. I was a staff songwriter for EMI, the largest music company in the world, for four years. And what I'm trying to tell you right now, everything that almost happened for me I got a whole book. I could write a book about almost. <laughs> and I'm talking about big things, big things, because I was in a high place in the industry. God didn't want me to make it that way. He just did not want me to make it that way. And I came to realize that after I got saved, when I looked back on everything, I said, oh, my goodness. I didn't put out a CD while I was in the music industry. But a year after I got out of prison, Like 25 years ago, 24 years ago, I I, I did my first CD. It was like, it was so easy. But before, while I was in the industry, I couldn't even get get past the first step. It's it's amazing how God will open doors for you when you're walking in his will is what I'm trying to say. Amen? You keep trying to do things your way. See, but God knew I couldn't handle that industry. He knew I would have messed myself up, bumped my head over and over again. Some people can't handle fame. And I'm not the only one. You, all you got to do is just think of some of your favorite stars who went on to glory or to wherever they went. <laughs> you know, some of the big name people. They weren't supposed to be doing what they were doing. I'll just leave that right there. So uh, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around the fact that we're a temple and God has a heavenly pattern for us. But uh, there's an easier way to understand that. It's in the New Testament. It's a prayer that we all know. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done done, on earth earth, as as it is in heaven. Let's stop right there. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means your will be done in my life. We're praying. When we pray that prayer, some of us don't have any idea what we're praying. We're actually saying, God, whatever it is I got planned, I want your will to be done in my life. If my plan is not your plan, I'm praying your will be done as it is in heaven. The plan that you have for me, the plan that you prepared for me before I even got here. That's what we're praying when we pray that prayer. But most of us pray that by rote, by memory, by routine. And we get up off the, on our knees after praying that, and we go about our day, whatever plan we had. We don't even say, Lord, what's the plan for my day? If you pray that prayer, you're asking God to plan your day for you. I just want you to know that. Praying it religiously, you're not, you don't know what you're praying. So you're setting yourself at odds We're, I'll include me in there, setting ourselves at odds against the will of God when we have our own plans, but we say, let your will be done on earth. Because you're on earth, amen? Are we on earth? (laughs) We're on earth, and we're praying that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's it's funny how some of the simplest things, we we miss it, and that's one of them, amen? Jeremiah 1.5, look at this. Look at this God we serve. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Amen. Now, all of us weren't ordained to be prophets. This is Jeremiah he's speaking to. But the first part of this verse pertains to all of us. Before we were formed in the womb, he knew us. Before We were born, we were sanctified, we were set apart. God has already determined that we were going to be one of his. That's what sanctified means, set apart. He already knew. He already knew, Brother Nate, that you were his. Brother Mark, he already knew it. He already knew. Lupe, he already knew. It's not a mistake that you're here today. He already knew, Sister Donna. He already knew it. Before we were born, while we were in the womb, let's move on because it's more. Hebrews 12, 1. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Number one, throw off everything that hinders. See, some things hinder us from following the will of God. Doesn't have to be, you know, what we consider major, big sins. It could be little things, like you like watch a certain TV show at a certain time. You know, it could be little things. And I'm not saying that's a sin, like uh, like you're going to hell for it or something. I'm not saying like that. But I'm just saying you got to understand there's some things that hinder you, that hinder you, and some things that entangle you, and it keeps you from running the race. He says that we should run the race. With perseverance, the race marked out for us. So run with perseverance. That means patience, with endurance. That means you don't give up. If God's giving you a plan, don't give up on it. Don't get discouraged. And also means don't run your own race because he's already marked out a race for you. Good God Almighty. Run the race marked out for you. The race that God has set before you. He's already set a race for you. You're running on your own race course. It's not even a winner's flag at the end of your race course. <laughs> You're on the wrong course. God marked out a race for you. The course is here. You're running there. I did it. And every now and then, I do it. Come on, let's be honest. Every now and then, we get off course. Got to go back to God and say, Lord, I'm running the wrong race. Could you redirect me back into the race that you marked out for me? Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. Key word, under the heaven. There's no time in heaven. There's there's eternity. God lives in eternity. Amen? But there's a time for us, amen, for everything, every activity under heaven. Um, The reason I pointed this out, our time must be in God's time. God has an appointed time for everything. He doesn't just do things haphazardly. Let me point out a few things. You want to write this down because I didn't put it up here. Ephesians 1.10. He said that in the fullness, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth in him. See, he waited. Christ came at a particular time. At a particular time. He didn't just come at any old random time. Okay, I guess I'll go now. It was a particular time. Let's go on to Mark 135. In Mark 35, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. He said, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. See, Jesus paid attention to the time. Jesus paid attention to the time. He just didn't do anything. He even told his mom, he said, what do, you have, what do I have to do with you, woman? My, my time is not yet, when she asked him to turn the water into wine. He said, my time is not yet. One time they asked him to go to Jerusalem. He said, it's not time. Time is very important to God. Sometimes we miss our time. And we have to wait for it to come around again. But when you're working in the timing of God, things just go. And you're like, wow. Wow. You know what Pastor Martin said? And and, and, uh, myself and Brother Mark and Pastor Bob, we have a lot of discussions. And, you know, one of the things we say, it's not that um, things are so much better or we're trying to be better than we were when Pastor Martin was pastoring. Pastor Martin himself said, Hey, time. There's a time when God wants things done. Amen? So we look out there now, it was a time. Same people, even less people than before. But it was time. Amen? And it got done. God is good. You did that. God did it through you. Amen? Because God doesn't do anything from heaven autonomously. He doesn't just go. Rrr, 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 uh. <laughs> he does things through people. Amen? <laughs> that's that cartoon version of God. You know? And I have to point out to non-believers sometime when I sit down and they don't understand the Bible, I say, look at this God. This God is not like a cartoon book. He's not. Uh, uh. He speaks. And that's boring. That's boring. For a worldly person, that's boring. What kind of guy is that? All he does is speak. They want to see some flash and drama, you know. Yeah, that's coming. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> you might not want to see he, the way he's going to do it. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 6.2 says, for he says, in an acceptable time. I'm going to say this again, 2 Corinthians 6.2, because it's not up there. He says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. See, God's concerned with time when it comes to us. Amen. John 2, 4. This is the scripture I was citing earlier. Woman, why does this concern us? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Time is very important to God. We have to be in God's timing. Isaiah 61.1, and this is a powerful passage because it's the passage that proclaimed where Isaiah prophesied the Lord Jesus, amen, and the ministry of Jesus, but it also pertains to each one of us. Let us read it. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because, and I had that in yellow for a reason, the spirit of the Lord God is not on you for you to get a new car. It's not on you to get a fancy house, gold and jewels and a pocket full of money. Yeah, God wants you to have those things, but that's not why the Spirit of God is on you. Let's read why. Because the Lord has anointed you. Wait a minute, stop again. What's anointing? God's ability to do something, to be something. Amen? God's ability is on you to preach good tidings. That's good news. Amen? That's the gospel to the poor. That's the spiritually poor. It's also the people who are materially impoverished as well, but to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We're supposed to comfort people when they're hurting. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the anointing is on you for. That's why the Spirit of God is within you, so you can preach the good news, so that you can heal the brokenhearted, so that you can proclaim liberty to the captives. That doesn't mean everybody in prison. Some people have it worse than people in prison. I used to. I, the Holy Spirit told me one day, he said, you know what, Art, you have it better than people who have never been in prison. And I said, why, Lord? He said, because some people are in prison and they're not even behind bars. He said, you were blessed to see the bars. And when you get behind those bars, you say, man, I must have did something wrong. <laughs> but without those bars, you kind of don't know that you're living in error, that you're going in the wrong direction. When you have those bars in front of your face, it's kind of a wake-up call. How did I get here? How did I get here? That's why we have a a Bobby Mikado coming, because what he's going to minister is not just for people in prison. Because all of us were bound at one time before we came to the Lord, amen? And we're still fighting bondages, amen? We're not bound, but we're fighting them. Because the devil continuously tries to attack us in our weaknesses. Those are called strongholds. So he sent us to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them which are bound. So just know that the spirit of the Lord God is on you for a reason. Because he's anointed you to do his work. Amen? And then look what he says in 61 verse 2. Isaiah 61 verse 2. To proclaim what? A time period. The acceptable year. That doesn't mean a year. That's not a literal year. Matter of fact, we're living in that time period right now. It's called the age of grace. The dispensation of grace. That's the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen? Grace is the time period when you can just come to Jesus and say, Lord, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. That's all you have to do. There's going to be a time after this period where it's not going to be that easy to get into the kingdom. We're living in the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why we have to go out to the highways and byways. Each one of you here are a representative of your family. I'm not talking about just your nuclear family. I'm talking about your extended family. Each one of you here are here for a reason. Because God wants you to go to your family. He didn't call your family. He called you out of your family. And he wants you to go back to them and minister to them the gospel. Minister to them and demonstrate to them, by the way you live, the benefits of walking in the Lord and following his plans and purpose. Some of them knew you before you got saved. And they're looking at you now, it's like, wow, I remember when. Yeah, you say, oh, things are left behind, brother. (laughs) All things have become new. And he can do the same thing for you. God's not a respecter of person. We all know some family members who are hard-headed right now. Right now. You call to minister to them. Because the spirit of the Lord God is upon you. And then it says the day of vengeance of our God. That's when the devil's going into the fiery pit forever. And then to comfort all who mourn. Funny how he puts that down there after that. This is a time of comforting. See, God is a, that's why when people preach brimstone, fire and brimstone, they, they don't know what manner of spirit they've been given. We have not been given that spirit. Jesus had to tell the disciples that one time. He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. We are not to preach, preach fire and brimstone. We're supposed to comfort people, amen? Comfort people. People are broken. People are hurting. We're supposed to comfort them. We're supposed to be that calming voice. We're supposed to be that voice of encouragement. We're supposed to be that voice that speaks life into dead situations to give people hope and encouragement. It got real quiet in here, amen? So this is what we have to do, folks. Determine the real desire of your heart. Determine your passion, your zeal, and your drive. Know what gifts, anointing, and talent that flow naturally through you with ease and seek counsel from mature Christians. Now, basically, you can sum this up by saying the problem that bothers you most, like when you look around your job or when you look around your house or when you look at other people, the problem that bothers you most, that's probably your ministry. You see something other people don't see. Like Pastor Bobby, he sees a lack of thirst for the word of God. That that's, bothers him that people are not thirsting and hungering after God. That's his ministry, to teach people about God. Amen? And each one of us have something that bothers us. Whatever it is, that's your ministry. God's showing you that for a reason. And for those of you who see things about other people, things that are not so pleasant, that you're able to discern something about a person that you know, something wrong with this person or something off in of this person or something, you know. When you're able to see through a person to who they are inside and you see a flaw, guess what? God is trusting you with that information. He's trusting you with that. Not for you to go blah, 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 blah. He's trusting you get on your knees and pray for that person. And the more he finds out he can trust you, guess what? The more he's going to show you, the more people he will trust you with. And you will find yourself praying for people instead of talking about people. Amen? That's a ministry. Number five, listen to the witness of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He will tell you. He will give you peace. He will lead you, and he will guide you. Sometimes where we want to be is not where we're supposed to be. He's the still, small voice, the gentleman. He's not loud, rash, or pushy. Listen to him. Number six, be realistic about what you can and can't give yourself 100% to do. Luke 14, 48, Jesus was saying this. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Worst thing in the world is get stuck in the middle of a project and you can't finish it. Now, to better understand what it means to pursue God's purpose, plan, and destiny for our lives, let's go over some foundational biblical truths. You may want to write these down. I'm going to try to go through them quick as possible. Number one, we must believe that God has a plan and a purpose. It has a plan and a destiny for our life. We've said all these before. I'm just going to give you some scriptural basis for it. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. We went over that already. Luke. 1.15. This is a story about John the Baptist. His father, Zechariah, was a priest and it was his time to go into the temple to light the incense. And he went to the incense and he had an encounter with an angel. And the angel was prophesying to him, telling him about the son that was going to be born to him. I wanted to go through this story because we need to see how important it is what we say with our words and how we respond to Directions from heaven, from guidance from heaven. Luke 1, 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's talking about John the Baptist. This is the angel speaking. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angels, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. See here in verse 18, we see that Zechariah is a priest. He's a priest and he doubted what the, the message the angel was delivering to him. Have you doubted something God told you? I'm willing to bet all of us have done that at one time or another. I have. In another way, look what Zach was saying. I call him Zach. <laughs> look what he was saying. What was he was really saying. He said, me and my wife are old, man. We're too old to dream. We're set. We're done. There's nothing left for us to do. But watch what happens next. Verse 19, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time." God shut his mouth. He couldn't say a word. Why? Because he doubted the plans of God for his life. And he spoke it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. God couldn't have that. Look, you can't interfere with this. This is my plan. Your son is going to prepare the way for my son. You can't mess this up. It's got to happen in my timing. Your doubt is not going to help it. Quiet. Quiet. We got to learn to be quiet, folks. If we can't say, if we can't agree with God, just be quiet. If Brother Mark gives you a prophecy, count it. It's from the Lord. If you don't agree with it right then, just put it on the shelf and wait. you see. Some of the things are so personal, so I can't share with you. Some discussions we've had that Mark has shared, and some of you, no, I'm not the only one. Mark has shared some things with you. And at the time, yeah, like, okay, okay. A little while. God brings them to pass. Amen. And you have to go back to him. He said, you know what, brother, that word you gave me? And Mark is humble. He's like, <laughs> Amen. Put it on the shelf, but don't speak against it, is my point. Isaiah 49, 1 to 5. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. How many times have we have to read the same thing from different scriptures in the Bible? When people tell you that the Bible contradicts itself and that it... No, no, they don't know the Bible. How many times are we going to hear that in our mother's womb, God knew us? That he called us, that he named us? And what we just read about John the Baptist, the angel told... Zacharias, everything about his son. He's going to do this, he's going to do that, he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. It's a, it's God's plan. When we're bucking against God's plan, we don't understand what we're bucking against. Galatians 1.15, this is the Apostle Paul again. Look what he says here. He was a high priest. He was bragging about, he wasn't bragging, He was he was reminding people, of his position in the priesthood. But he says right here in Galatians 1.15, but when it pleased God, when is a time factor, amen, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. See, God already knew that Paul was going to be an apostle. He already knew that Paul was going to be a messenger. But when it pleased God, he let, he let Paul go on and do his thing. And then he shows up one day, knocks him down, says, why are you kicking against the gold? I want you to do something for me. What you're doing, you think you're doing it for me. It's not for me. I got something I want you to do. Ephesians 1.5, having predestined, say predestined, having predestined us to adoption as sons. See, this was before we came into, the, into existence. God predestined us to be his sons. We're not here by coincidence. By, Christ Je- by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he do it? Because of His the pleasure of his will. The good pleasure of his will. Amen. It's all about God. It's not about us. It's all about him. Not about us. It's according to his good pleasure. It's according to his will. It's according to his plan. It's according to his purpose. We get caught up thinking things are about us. You're not to hear today by coincidence. And if you hear my voice, in a recording or a podcast, it's not a coincidence. Why? You're predestined. Amen. Ephesians 1.11, chapter one, verse eleven. In Him, we were also what? Having been what? According to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Look in that one verse: predestined, plan, and purpose. We were chosen. Because God predestined us, and he had a plan, and he had a purpose. It's his will. It's his purpose. Amen? Jeremiah 29, 11. This is the scripture uh, that brought me to my knees. This is the scripture I read that made me cry like a baby, and I cried for three days. But I had to hide it because all the other inmates were around. And I just cried. and I just stayed on my bunk. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. When I read that verse, that was the first time I experienced rama. Rama is when God is speaking to you through his word. You know that's your word. You know he's speaking to you. You could almost hear his voice. When I read that scripture, I cried. I said, you have a plan for me? It almost brings me to tear right now to remember that moment. You have a plan for me? All the things I've done, as hard-headed as I've been, I'm just now realizing that you're Lord. That's that's when I realized that Jesus is Lord. And I was so, so regretful. I feel sorry for those people because, you know, the Bible says that every knee will bow. I feel sorry for the ones that are going to bow in sorrow because they didn't accept him. Because I know what I felt that moment when I realized he was my Lord. It hurt me to the core of my being so bad. I'm Like, oh, my God. All of these years I've been running from you, and you're my Lord. I feel sorry. We have to think about our family and our friends that are going, facing the end times without knowing Jesus as their Lord. We don't want them to bow in sorrow. Amen? We want them to bow side by side with us in victory and joy at the coming of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8. And we know. Say, we know. we know. See, there's that word again, knowledge. You have to know. That all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, the called, What? According to his purpose. That's the part people don't say when they say that. All things work together good for God. They like that part. <laughs> but look at what for the For those who are the called according to his purpose. Not my purpose. His purpose. For whom he foreknew. He knew us before we were born. There we go again. He also predestined. There we go again. To be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Glorified means God bringing Christians to a heavenly dignity and a heavenly condition. His glory is upon us. Amen? That's why when you go into some places, people already know that you're a believer. When I find myself out in the supermarket and I'm ministering to people, I see people and I already know that they're in church, but I go ask them anyway. They may not be in church, but I know that they're saved. I know God's hand is on them. And I go ask them, and I say, what church you go to? And it never fails. You can see the light of God's glory on people. And the more that you pray and the more that you stay in the Word, you get more in tune with being able to see. Eventually, you start being able to see a person's need, a person's hurt spiritually because you know why? The same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you. He's in all of us. So he can share things with me about you if he trusts me, if he trusts me to handle that knowledge with care if he trusts me to pray, amen, if he trusts me to go to you and give you a word of comfort, if he trusts me to go to you to edify you, to comfort you, to build you up, not tear you down, we're not to tear down people. Jesus didn't tear Peter down when he knew Peter was going to mess up. He said, Peter, Satan's going to get a hold of you. He's going to do some things. Then what did he say next? But I prayed. He didn't say, you need to go in your knees, you need to go to your prayer closet, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to go to church, you need to tithe. You You know how we call ourselves helping somebody and we just beating them over the head with the Bible? That's not how you help people. Tell people, hey, you're going off there, I see you going off, you know, what you're doing right now, but let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm praying for you. Leave it alone. Put it in God's hand. Amen? We're not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate that way. Jesus didn't do that. We're so busy saying, what would Jesus do? We need to be concerned with what he did. And he said, Peter, but I prayed." Then when he came back, he didn't say, Peter, remember I told you you was going to do that? Remember I told you? He didn't say that. He said, Peter, do you love me? Because Peter needed to be reminded that he loved Jesus. He didn't say that for himself. He said that for Peter's sake because sometimes we mess up and we think that we, we listen to that other voice. What kind of Christian are you? That voice. Are you really saved? We listen to that voice. Jesus has to step into our situation sometime and say, remind you that you love him and you have to speak it. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you, Lord. I know you died for me, but I love you. I mess up sometimes, Lord, but I love you. I go astray sometimes, but I love you. Number two, we must believe that what's inside us and not what's around us controls us. That's the number two point. So now here's some scriptures. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Greater is he in us. We already quoted that earlier. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, say all things, through Christ who strengthens me. It's not my strength. It's not my power. It's Christ strengthening me. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you wherever you go. God wasn't waiting. <coughs> God. I mean, you didn't come here to see God. You come here to fellowship with other believers because we all came with God within us, amen. amen. We brought God, you know what? The anointing depends, the anointing in the place depends on everybody here, amen. Because we all carry a certain anointing in our lives and we need each other. We come together corporately because we encourage one another, we strengthen one another, we build one another up, amen. We have to come together corporately. People that stay home and watch on TV, they can't get any anointing out of that TV screen. They can't get that corporate anointing. You need the corporate anointing. We're a body. The leg can't be here and the arm there. and the <laughs> You know, we have to come together at some point. Amen? That's why we come together as a church. We're a body. We're the body of Christ. Let me move on real quick here. Matthew fifteen nineteen. See, remember, what's in you, not what's outside of you, is what controls you. For out of the heart, say, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault, witness, and blasphemy. It comes out of the heart. It comes out of our heart. We got to guard what's in our heart. We got to be honest about what's in our heart that belongs to the enemy. Jesus said in John fourteen thirty. I've quoted this many times. He said, the enemy of this world is coming, but I'm going to go because he has nothing in me. What we have to work on is having none of that stuff in us. If you're talking about somebody, lying on somebody, amen? That comes out of our heart. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. We have issues. I have issues. Let me speak for myself. I have to guard my heart because I got issues. And I have to identify those issues and put them under the blood. I have to identify those issues and get on my knees and pray about it. Lord, I need patience. Lord, what's wrong with my temper? Lord, what's wrong here? Why why am I restless? We got to be honest about the issues of our heart. We have to guard our heart. Some versions say guard. This word says keep your heart with all diligence. That means never stop working on that never start watching. Stop watching what's in your heart, what's coming out of your heart, what's coming out of your mouth because whatever comes out of your mouth came from your heart first. Amen? You ever argue with somebody, have an argument with somebody about something that happened today and all of a sudden they're talking about two years ago? That's because that's been in their heart all along. It's just been building up and you're like where'd that come from? Why are we talking about that? They've been holding on to that. And we all do it. We all do it. That's in our heart. We got to get that stuff out of our heart. That means we didn't really forgive that person. It's in our heart. Let's get it out. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. See, the great things that we want to do, the great things that we want to accomplish are going to be accomplished because God's word is abiding in us. See, the devil works through the word, his stuff that abides in us, the evil thoughts and all of this stuff. God works through us by his word abiding in us. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, God can't work with that. That's garbage to him. He can't do anything with that. He can't help you in that area. You gotta, that's the devil's stuff. You, you get what I'm saying? God only can work for us by the things that are in us that belong to him. By the same token, the devil tries to control us by the things that are in us that belong to him. If you have hatred in your heart, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have anger in your heart, lack of patience, if that's all in your heart, that's what the devil works through. He just pushes your buttons when he feel like it. And then you fail another test. And then you go into condemnation. And then he tells you what kind of Christian are you. And then you start repeating it. Now you're judging yourself. That's why we're not able to walk in our destiny, because we keep going in these circles. We keep going in these circles. Number three, we must believe if we give our best, we will have the best. I think I'm going to end right here. This is going to turn into a part two, because I don't want to overburden the time. Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, say the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you're praying, that's giving. This, you know, they use this for offering a lot of a lot of places. God just showed me recently, it's not just for offering. Whatever you give will be given unto you. You you give up your time and prayer. You give a kind word, that's going to come back to you. You give a word of encouragement, that's going to come back to you. You give a word of peace and comfort, that's going to come back to you. Amen? And he said not only is it going to come back to you, it's going to come back to you in good measure. Press down, you know, and shaking together. You shake it so you can get some more in there and run it over. Your blessings are going to overflow. Your cups are going to overflow from the giving. That's why this church has been prospering. Amen? With a few people, relatively few people, because we've been giving. We've been giving, and God's giving back to us. Pressed down, shaken together. And running over, and we're not passing the, complex, the, the, the collection plate two and three times, and we're not beating you over the head about tithing, and we're not uh, asking for, we're not selling fish, we're not selling bakery goods, we're not doing yard sales. Instead, what we're doing is giving out of our abundance. Amen? And because we're giving out of our abundance, it's being given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Somebody give the Lord a hand, praise. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going going to make this a part two. I'm going to make this a part two. Amen. God is good. God is good. He says he knows the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. As some of you may have already learned, the story of the prodigal son should be named the love of the father. That's the real gist of the story. It's the love of the father. There are many ways to look at this story. One way is to see a son who had his own plans and never regarded, never consulted or inquired into the plans of his father. He just wanted his inheritance and he wanted to go do what he wanted to do. The Bible is full of examples of people who did what they wanted to do. Adam did what he wanted to do. He exercised his free will. Jonah exercised his free will. He wound up in the belly of a whale. My own best thinking got me in a world of trouble. Amen. Caught up in the system, out on the streets. My own best thinking, from the top of the music industry to the streets, to addiction. Amen? That's my best thinking. My best thinking is foolishness to God. The prodigal son also exercised free will. He took his inheritance and went and squandered it. We all know the story. He wound up with the pigs. But when he was with the pigs, for some reason, the contrast from where he had been to where he is in the, with the pigs caused him to come to his right mind. Come, cause him to realize how far he had gone from the will of his father. And he said, in my father's house, even the servants eat better than I'm eating now. Even the servants, I'm going to go back home to my father, and I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's someone who's been straying away from the will of the father... If it's someone who hasn't received the Lord and hasn't heard the voice of Jesus calling them into the kingdom, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you might want to put up your hand right now. Now, if everyone, it appears everyone is saved. If you've strayed from the plans that God has for you, you know that you've gone your own way if you know that you've been rebelling against what the Lord has for you to do, why don't you put up your hand right now? It's just a sign of faith. It's just a sign of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is not to put anybody on the spot. But God will be blessed if you will come forward right now. In the name of Jesus, come forward. Receive prayer. It's okay. It's okay. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, if you put your hand up today, come forward. Pastor Bobby, could you come forward? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, 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 Son. Lord Brother Mark, Is there anyone else? All right, my brother. My brother. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, 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 Lord. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And guess what? Here's the good news. When you come back to him, he's already waiting for you. He's already expecting you. He's already expecting you to come back. Remember in the story, he was out on the road. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, hallelujah, that our foolishness, Lord, that our hard-headedness, Lord, doesn't keep us from you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are patient with us, Lord, that you're long-suffering. We thank you, Lord, that you've already forgiven us, and you're not surprised by our actions, Lord. You're not surprised that we ran away. Lord, you're not surprised by anything we do because you made us. You foreknew us. You formed us in our mother's womb. You called us, Lord. You have a plan and a purpose for me, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you soften my heart, Lord, to yield, to yield to you. I'm tired of bumping my head. I'm tired of going my own way. I'm tired of doing things the way I think is right, Lord, instead of asking you. I'm tired of letting my will be done not your will be done as it is in heaven. I'm tired of bumping against the heavenly pattern that you've already established for my life. Now I understand Lord. I understand why things don't work out for me sometimes Lord because I've been doing my own thing in my own way. I understand Lord and I know Lord I admit right now Lord that I've been scared. I've been scared to do things your way Lord because I'm scared of what you're going to ask me to do. I might not want to do it I might not want to follow your instructions, Lord, and I'm scared, Lord, to hear your instructions, Lord. But dear God, you haven't given me a spirit of fear, and I know that your plans you have for me, Lord, are for a hope and a future, not of evil. You're not going to ask me to do anything, Lord, that's going to hurt me. You want to bless me. You want to bless me. You want to pour out your blessings upon me. You want to bless me, Lord. You want my cup to overflow with everything that I believe that I should have and everything you said, Lord, that it it would be exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what I could ask, what I could think, what I could dream or even imagine. You want to do that for me, Lord. And foolishly, I'm trying to hold on to the little I have, Lord, not realizing, Lord, that if I just let it go, And open my hands and receive what you have for me, Lord, that I will live in a life of abundance, a life of prosperity, not only in material but in spiritual blessings, that my heart would be comforted, my heart would be full, that the pain in my heart will be healed. You're the potter. I'm the clay. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord that you're molding me into the person you want me to be. Even hearing this word today, Lord, you're making me into the person that you want me to be, Lord. Help me, Lord, to hear your voice and to be led by you, Lord. I'm desperate for you, Lord. I'm lost without you, Lord. And I realize it, Lord, that I need you, Lord. Every hour, every moment, I need you, Lord. I need your direction. I need your guidance because my best thinking, Lord, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't seem to work, Lord. I want to try you, Lord. From this day forward, I want to try you. I want to try it your way. I want to try you. You said taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All I need to do is taste it, Lord. And when I see that it's good, Lord, I'll continue on. But give me, Lord, Give me the strength just to taste, Lord, to trust you, to trust you. I haven't given you a fair chance, Lord, to show me what you can do. I stuck my toes in the water, Lord. I haven't jumped in. I want to jump in, Lord. I want to be immersed. I want to be immersed in you, Lord. I want to be surrounded by you. I want to fight my battles by being surrounded by you. I don't want to fight by myself anymore. I'm tired now. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of waking up and finding myself wallowing with the pigs. Being around the wrong people, being in the wrong places, feeling the wrong way. I want to feel good, Lord. I want to feel your presence. want to feel what it feels like to be whole and content in you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you have a plan and you have a purpose for me for a hope in the future. And I want to walk in your plan. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God, saints. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you enjoyed this and other podcasts from the Connection Community Foursquare Church, be sure to listen in again and subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time a podcast is uploaded. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.